0: Good morning Crestview. Great to see you guys out here this morning. I am um, pumped that you made it here and that you are here um, this morning. I have to though, um, this is kind of sad, I have to start off with some sad news this morning. I'm going to follow with some good news, but some sad news this morning. Um, Shelley Blau, who has been part of our staff here at Crestview for the last six years plus, has taken a position um, at Kansas State University in their new student um, area, leading new students around and their families, showing them around, which she's going to do a great job at because she's really good at that kind of stuff. But it means that she is leaving us on our staff here at Crestview. Um, It is really sad. Shelly has been a major part of the last six years plus here at Crestview. She's been um, really good for us. She's made all of us look better than we really are um, as a staff. She has been a major contributor to the different things that have gone on over the last six years, and we are going to miss her in a huge way. Um, we've said it often, and um, I think it's true, everybody needs a little Shelly in their lives. Um, so here's the deal. Here's kind of the good news about it. They're not leaving at all. Um, they're going to still be around. In fact, George, um, her husband, George and Shelly, are going to be leading uh, Small group, still at Crestview. They're going to be part of our greeting team, first hour. So if you want to see Shelley from now on, you have to come first hour um, to church. There's plenty of space during our first service if you want to come and be a part of that. Um, George comes in and prays with me every Sunday morning before services get started, and I appreciate that so much. And they're going to still be a major part of our church, just not um, midweek in the office during that. So here's what I need you to do. Today is her last day as that role. I would love for you as you walk out today to stop and give Shelley a big hug and thank her for what she has done here at Crestview. I'd appreciate that. So here's some other good news, some cool stuff um, that's an update of what's going on with our relocation project, but this one we're going to do by video. So watch this. In his book, Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby talks about this concept that it's best if we find out where God is working and then join him in his work there. Well, there's some great things happening here at Crestview. We've had 16 baptisms in the last three months. We have four different rooted groups that are developing and growing in their faith. And we have five people that are planning to go on a missions trip in November. Some really cool things going on. And our relocation process is going very smooth as well. Terry Holdren, who leads our building committee team, is going to give you an update, as well as Galen Bunning, who was the lead for our Beyond Us campaign. He's got something for you as well. Listen to these guys.
1: I'm Terry Holdren. I serve on the finance and building teams here at Crestview Christian Church. We're excited to report on several developments over the last few months that that we've been working on. First is the sale of the current facility we have that will allow us to relocate to the new property Um, and do ministry there in a bigger and different way than we have before. So we have had a couple of offers here and have accepted an offer, are in the process of working out the details to close the sale of the building later this year in 2019. That process and that sale allows us to effectively move and relocate easier um, because of the reduced financial burden that the church will face, uh, which is great news um, and allows us to move to the other part of the, the conversation with you all, and that's the design of the new building. As you all know, we did great work as a church early on in designing the structure, thinking about classrooms and kitchens and sanctuary worship spaces and other things. Um, All of those documents are now being transformed from design documents to construction documents. Those are the actual documents that have the engineering specs and other elements that the builders will use to build the building. Um, We're nearing the completion of that four-month process on design documents, or or, sorry, construction documents, um, and we'll be able to then break ground on the building later this fall. Um, We hope to then finish the relocation project by December of 2020 and are excited to be able to move into a new space that's specifically designed for the needs of the church.
0: I want to give you an update on the Beyond Us campaign. Thank you for what you've done to see God's vision come to reality through Crestview. You committed over $1.3 million to this project, and so far you've given $608,000 and we're not even halfway through. Thank you so much for what you continue to do and join us. If you want to increase that gift or you weren't part of it at first, come in now to Beyond Us and see what God will do. God is working here at Crestview and we're excited to join him in his work. It's very good stuff. Absolutely, I'm excited about what's going on with the building, but i got to tell you, I didn't go into the ministry to build buildings. I'm, I don't know that that's my calling at all, but did you catch at the beginning of this video when I said we've had 16 baptisms in the last three months? Now, let me give you some perspective. Last year, 2018, We had 15 baptisms for the whole year, and we've done more than that in the last three months. So, please, I think that's what it's all about, and I I am very excited about what God has been doing here, and we want to just join Him in His work um, and what He is already working through. So, one thing that I've done, though, research, since we're relocating, we're building a new building, one of the things that comes along with that is signage. So what kind of sign does a church put out You know, in front of their yard, right, in front of their church? So I've looked at some signs here recently of maybe what not to do more than anything else. Here's a couple church signs. Here's, here's one of them. We love hurting people. If you're hurting, this is a place for you. We want to help you out, but no, our goal is not to hurt you, and it's all how you read it. Okay, here's here's another one that I found. Now is a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. (laughs) I know my feelings were hurt on this one, but it continues. Here's the other one. Do you know what hell is? Come and hear our preacher. I know there's been Sundays like that. I, I, I can tell when there's been a good one and a bad one. I'm right there with you. There's another one, though. It's not in front of a church. It's actually on the side of a highway. I think this is in Alabama somewhere. Um, it says, go to church or the devil will get you. <laughs> Motivational? Maybe. I don't know if that would motivate you to want to go to church or not anywhere. But here's the deal on this one. It's, it's not true. Uh, There's nowhere in Scripture that talks about the devil's going to come and get you if you don't go to church somewhere. And the big idea, too, the Bible doesn't even say you have to go to church, right? Right. I know some of you guys are like, elbowing your wives, you know, I told you we didn't have to come. But here, drug me here anyway. No, we are the church. You don't have to go to the church. We are. And it's special. There's something special about why we come together, why we worship, why we sing, why we study and learn and grow. There is something special to that. So the last four weeks, we've been in a series called CORE. And we've just, this, the idea was to find the core of what we believe, and out of that, everything else can grow. Um, We were selling some books in the of we still have a few more of these. Um, Core 52, 52 verses that have been taken from Scripture to say, if you can get these 52 verses down, you're going to understand the rest of Scripture a little bit better. We believe this as well. The last four weeks we've studied the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we've said it this way, that if you can understand those four books, the first four books of the New Testament, you're going to have a better grasp of everything else that's happened in Scripture. So everything in, in the Old Testament, which was a, really a covenant that was between God and um, Abraham, God, Moses continued this through, it was all pointing to Jesus, Um, And that's who we follow now. Everything since these four Gospels point back to the Gospels. The story of Jesus and who he is. He's our focus. He's what we do. He's why we do it. Now, here's where I'm going today. We're going to extend this one more Sunday. Today, core, we're going to talk about the book of Acts. Because I, I honestly believe this. What good is a foundation? What good is your core, right? What good is a foundation if you don't build anything on that foundation, It's just foundation. You've got to do something with that. You have to build on top of that. So Acts is that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they acted then. They did something with this information. Acts, they're they're going out sharing this good news that they have with people around them. Um, It's important for us to see this as well. Luke is the author of Acts. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Then he wrote The Acts of the Apostles, the telling of the story of what he just told, how does it play itself out? Luke was a doctor, um, very meticulous in his writings and what he did, um, detailed, making sure that we understand it completely. It's a great story, the book of Acts is, of how the church got started and how this news spread. So Luke wrote part one, the story of Jesus, part two, how the story of Jesus is told to everyone else how the apostles went out and started churches, how Paul started churches and started to tell everyone about this. Now, each week we've showed a little piece of a video from The Bible Project. I love this um, website. It's a great resource for you, thebibleproject.com. This is an introduction to the book of Acts. Watch this video.
2: It's the second volume of a unified two-part work that today we call Luke-Acts. These were written by the same author, Luke, who was a traveling co-worker with Paul. This is clear from the book's introduction where Luke says, I produced my first volume, that's the gospel, about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now Luke's giving a clue here as to what this book of Acts will be about. Volume 1 was about what Jesus began to do and to teach. Volume 2 will then be about what Jesus continued to do and teach. Which leads to a really interesting point about the book's traditional but not original name, the Acts of the Apostles. While different apostles do appear in most of these stories, the only single character who unifies the whole story from beginning to end is Jesus himself, acting directly or through the Spirit. And so the book would more accurately be named The Acts of Jesus and the Spirit. The book's introduction recounts how the risen Jesus spent some 40 days with the disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God. This connects back to the story of Luke's gospel, where Jesus claimed that he was restoring God's kingdom over the world, beginning with Israel. So he called Israel to live under God's reign by following him. And he was enthroned as king when he gave up his life and then conquered death with his love. And so the book of Acts begins with the risen King Jesus instructing his disciples about life in his kingdom. So he promises that the Spirit will soon come and immerse them in his personal presence. And this fulfills one of the key hopes from the Old Testament prophets, that in the messianic kingdom, God's presence, his Spirit would come and take up residence among his people in a new temple and transform their hearts. And so Jesus says, when this happens, the Spirit will empower his disciples to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. From here, Jesus is taken up from their sight in a cloud. It's an image drawn from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. It shows how Jesus is now being enthroned as the Son of Man who was vindicated after his suffering and now shares in God's rule over the world. And so he promises that he will return one day. And so the main themes and the design of the book of Acts flow right out of this opening chapter. This is a story about Jesus leading his people by the Spirit to go out into the world and invite all nations to live under his reign. And so the story will begin with that message spreading in Jerusalem and then into the neighboring regions of Judea and Samaria full of non-Jewish people. And then from there out to all of the nations into the ends of the earth.
0: Pretty important book for us to understand and see the history of how this news started to get spread and how churches got started um, in history. But the key to this is one word, and it's the key throughout the book of Acts, and that's the word witness. We are to be a witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 actually gives us this. And I think it's a, it's a connection, it's a continuation of the Great Commission um, for us out of Matthew. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says it this way. But you are to receive power, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we have to keep that focus in for us. When we become a follower of Christ, we have to make sure we understand what the intent is to be that follower. And it's this, it's to be a witness. Yes, I believe that the story of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and how that Holy Spirit helps us tell the story is huge. That's very important for us. That's the focus of the story. But yet for us, our mission is to be that witness. Wherever God has planted us, wherever he's put us, we need to be that witness for him. Otherwise, we we lose out. And before we know it, our mission is gone and there's nothing then to be a witness for. I love telling the story. I think it wraps it up very well. Um, Many of you may remember this. It was years ago in London. London was having a problem with its bus services. So in the city, the buses that were to pick people up and take them to other places, they weren't working the way they were supposed to. Here was the problem. The buses we're just driving right past the bus stations. People were standing there, they were ready, they were waiting for their bus to come so they can make it to work wherever they're going. They see the bus coming down the road and it just flies right on by them. It doesn't stop, it doesn't drop people off, it doesn't pick people up. And people started to complain about it. Wouldn't you, if that's how you relied on transportation? Like, here was the bus, I was waiting, now I'm late to work, I'm late to where I was going, I need this to make sense if I'm going to trust in this. Well, they started to complain, and the London Transient Organization decided to respond to the complaints this way. This was their official statement. It is impossible for us to maintain our schedule if we are always having to stop and pick up passengers. (laughs) It's been part of business classes ever since. The concept and the idea of picking people up and taking them somewhere is so important. It's the mission of what they do, even if they're a little bit late. I think it's the same for us. If we lose out and start to miss the idea that we are the witnesses to this, it won't be long and people won't know. It won't be long and people won't know who Jesus is and what he can do for them. We've got to keep that as our focus. So let's unpack it this way. I want you to paint this picture in your mind as I talk. And the the picture that you're going to paint is um, inside of a courtroom. So, if you can imagine being inside of a courtroom, some of you have probably been there. It might not be the prettiest um, situation for you, or maybe you've never been in a courtroom and you've only seen one on TV. That's all right as well. Just picture the scene in a courtroom. And there's some major players um, that have to be in the courtroom to make it work. The first one is the judge. The judge in a courtroom is very important. The judge has gone to special school to learn how to be a judge. The judge wears special clothes, a robe. They're the only ones that wear a special clothing when they're inside the courtroom. They have special tools, a gavel, right, to call everything to order. Uh, They use special words. Uh, They're the judge. Um, They control everything. Now, in this concept of Christianity, has God asked you to be the judge? No. thank goodness, right? All right. What about this person, the prosecutor? The prosecutor is the one bringing the case, you know, trying to defend the innocent and prosecute the one that's guilty. And so the prosecutor comes in. The prosecutor has gone to special school. They use special words. They use special techniques to try and prove their point of why this should be judged this way or that way. Are you called to be a prosecutor in Christianity? I don't think so. There's another person in the room, the defense attorney. This would be a job I would not want to have, right? The defense attorney, usually they're defending someone that ends up being guilty. And even though they're sitting next to and defending the guilty person, their job is still important because where we live, we, we all want a fair trial. Even those that are guilty deserve a fair trial. And the defense attorney is to come and defend that person to make sure that they get a fair trial, even if they are guilty. Are we to be defense attorneys for Jesus? It's not what he calls us. Ah, it's the jury, right? That's you. Some of you have been called to be on juries and you never made it. Some of you have sat on juries before and you're like, yeah, that's it. We sit around and, and we are the jury to everyone else around us, right? No, I don't think that's what God's called us to either. Very important person that walks into the room at some time during a trial is the witness. Here's the deal with the witness. The witness doesn't have to go to special school. The witness doesn't use special language or different language. The witness doesn't have to argue one way or the other. The witness only has to witness. That's it. The witness has had an experience in life that pertains to the case, and their job is to come and tell the truth, and that's it. I'm just here to tell you what I've witnessed, that's all, and in Acts chapter one verse eight, Jesus is asking us to be a witness for Him, and to take what we have experienced with Him and share that with somebody else. It is the key word throughout the book. Now, it, it's something that we're called to do and that we're supposed to do anywhere in life, whether that be with our neighbors or our friends, um, at work, at with our family, we are to be witness. And I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will give us opportunities to take our story and how God has affected us and offer to somebody else, whether that be forgiveness or that story, to let them know who Jesus is and what he can do for them. This last week, if you um, were on Facebook at all or you watched the news at all, you saw a pretty special scene I hope most of you saw this. If you haven't, we're going we're to um, catch you up on this. This last week was a sentencing hearing for a lady named Amber Geiger. She was a police officer in Dallas, and it was about a year ago she accidentally shot somebody that she thought was, had broken into her apartment. And this was her sentencing hearing. She was sentenced to prison, but during this hearing, the brother of the guy that she shot and killed had a chance to speak towards her, and this is what he said:
3: "I can speak for myself. I speak for myself. I, I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it." again i'm speaking for myself not even bad for my family but i love you just like anyone else and i'm not going to say i hope you rot and die just like my brother did but i see i i personally want the best for you and i i wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do, and the best would be give your life to Christ that's, I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
0: statement of forgiveness and what it did for him to free his heart up. Absolutely. But also to be a witness, not just in a courtroom, but in a courtroom, you can do it anywhere. And if the power of the Holy Spirit is living in you, which the promise is there, then you can be a witness anywhere. And when you have that opportunity to share your story with someone else about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and to offer that to somebody else. It's the best thing you can ever do for them. The book of Acts, it tells us that that's what we're to do. Um, 29 times throughout the book, it tells us that we are to be a witness for Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 describes that. It tells us that that's our goal. And then the rest of the book, it plays it out that 's what the book is about in Jerusalem, chapters one through seven about there. It talks about how they were witnesses, the disciples right there in their hometown, their neighborhoods, the places where they lived, they were witnesses there and that 's where they were starting churches, Judea and Samaria, um, chapters eight and nine are roughly in that area is where they started to spread, and they started to take this news other places and then to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. Um, the rest of the book tells us this story about how the Apostle Paul um, came into the scene. His name was Saul. He had a conversion. He became a follower of Christ, and then he went around telling everybody about Jesus. And he was bold. And this is where I think it gets tough for us, because we think, well, I can't be bold like that. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not going to go start churches like he did, so I can't be that evangelist. Well, we're all different. Reminds me of the cartoon. Um, I like the cartoon. Every once in a while, I'll read it. Charlie Brown, and there's, there's Lucy and Charlie Brown, and they're having this discussion. Lucy says, I'd make a great evangelist. Charlie Brown says, why do you think that? She said, well, the other day at school, I convinced a boy that my religion is better than his religion. He said, well, how'd you do that? She said, I hit him over the head with my lunchbox. <laughs> Maybe that's how you do it. I don't know. Maybe, you know, if that's the way that you have to go about it, all of us are different in that, but we're called to do it. Romans chapter 10, um, verses 14 and 15, it says, How then will they call upon him who they have not believed? How are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now in this translation, it says preaching and preacher, and maybe you don't stand on a stage with a microphone and talk to a group of people, but you can preach to someone. And you have been called to do that. And how can that person know who Jesus is unless you, who have been called and sent to do that, tell them? And he'll give you the encouragement to do it. And we all do it in different ways. There's no magic formula for witnessing to somebody else. Somebody here is going to do it than somebody over here. And you, it might work one way with one friend, and it might work a different way with another friend. But it doesn't matter. You still have this obligation, if you are a follower of Christ, to tell somebody else about him. I think about it like this often. If, if you discovered, this afternoon, you, you discovered the cure for cancer, like all cancer, any cancer at all, if you came up with a cure for that, one pill would cure it all. Would you tell anybody, or would you keep it a secret? I think we have something bigger and better than a cure for a disease that's only going to last in our lifetime. We have information and news that will last for eternity, and will give people life for eternity. And we have to share that. Here at Crestview, one of the ways we want to do that is just to offer you different opportunities um, we've learned this recently. I want to share this. I want to go this direction. We want to say that anything short of sin, we're up, we're up for. All right? If it causes us to sin to tell somebody about Jesus, then we'll back up and rethink it. But anything short of sin, let's do it. Let's try and figure out ways that we can get others to this knowledge. It's, it's followers asking non-followers to become followers of the man that changed the world. It's one beggar telling another beggar where they can find food. It's as simple as that for us. Let's go there and do it. So here's what we did. Two weeks ago, um, I introduced to some of you, but we've done this in the years past, a little white card. Somewhere in the chair pocket in front of you, hopefully you can see one of these, there's a little white card like this. And I've asked um, for you to take one of these cards and to write down the name of someone who you know needs this news. Some of you might be thinking, man, I've got a ton of people. I could write down like 30 or 40 names. Well, let me remind you, Jesus only had 12 that he worked with, right? And you're not Jesus, so let's stick with just a couple. So one or two. I just want you to write down the name of somebody that you know doesn't know who he is, and they need to know. Just write that name. This is not where you're. I'm not going to encourage you to like go confront their sins or to have an intervention with them. It's not like that. Don't. We're not going to badger them into coming to church. Please invite them. Yes, but don't don't go too far. Don't manipulate them. This isn't a bait and switch thing. I just want you to write their name down on this card and then keep it with you. I keep mine in my wallet. Um, The name that I have on there, I fold it up. Nobody can see it. So when I open it up, it's just a white little card. But I know what name is on it. Maybe you keep it in your car, maybe your nightstand, uh, maybe in your bathroom somewhere where you can see it every day, and it's a reminder for you of what our mission is and what we're supposed to do. So here's what I want you to do with this name and this card: I want you to bless them. To bless them. There's an acronym with this, um, and it, it B it starts this way: Begin with prayer. Just pray for them we can all do that. All right, you can think of somebody and if you don't have a name that you can write down on this card, then start there. Start to pray that God gives you somebody that you can do this with, all right? That you can get a name written down. But just pray for them. You don't even have to ask their permission, just start praying for them. And whenever you see this card, lift them up in prayer. The L stands for listen. Just listen to them. Don't fix their problems. Don't give them solutions. Don't tell them what they're doing wrong. You're just a listening ear. Oftentimes, they'll figure it out themselves. You are just there to be a listening ear for them, somebody um, that they can rely on to listen to them. Next is to eat with them. Eating with somebody um, is a big deal. It can be personal, and that's the concept. If you don't actually have food, maybe it's over coffee. If it's not coffee, you just hang out with them for a little bit but you do some interaction of life with them. Eating with them can take you um, quite a ways in a relationship. The next is to serve them. If you've been listening to what's going on in their life, you're going to come across a, a place and a time where you can just serve them. You don't even have to ask permission on this one. Just do it. Maybe they don't even know it's you, but just find a way where you can serve them. And then finally, share. Share with them. Share your story with them. This is the idea of being the witness. You don't have to share a theology or an Old Testament story or you know who, who God is and how he made the universe. You don't have to get deep like that. Just share what God has done for you in your life and then let the Holy Spirit lead you through that. So at Crestview, we want to help. We want to help be the best that we can to help offer ways and opportunities for you to do this. Little White Cards is a part of this. This BLESS acronym leads you through that. But next Sunday, we have created a place and a space for you to be able to be a witness and to share and invite somebody. It's our annual chili cook-off, and we're calling it Chiefs and Chili. So next Sunday at noon, the Chiefs play. And we decided to move our chili feed during the Chiefs game, and we have rented an 11 TV screen, an LED screen. We're going to put out in the yard here. I hope we don't have any wrecks out on the highway as people drive by. Um, but it's out here in our yard. 11 foot. It's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. Um, an LED screen. Bring your friends. The weather's going to be great for it. I just know it is. Um, invite them to come to church. And if they can't make it to church, just invite them to come and eat some chili and watch the Chiefs game with us and just hang out And get to do life and fellowship with other people. Um, This is your opportunity to do that. Then we're going to start a new series next Sunday. The the new series that we're starting is, we're going to call it Two Minute Warning. And for the next few weeks, I'm just going to tell Bible stories. I'm just going to stand up here and tell you stories about people and how they lived their life. We don't always live like it's the two-minute warning of a game. You don't play the game like it's a two-minute warning the whole game. You you strategize throughout, and you don't live your life that way either. There's times, though, that when life gets heavy and hard that you've got to make some tough decisions. How do you do that? And using Bible examples... How can we apply that to our lives? It's going to be a series for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, a believer or not, you can come and learn from that. So invite somebody over the next few weeks to come and be a part. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a thing called First Step Lunch. It's, we've changed the name a little bit. It was Lunch with the Pastors. It's the same idea. So if you've been coming new, you're pretty new to Crestview, in two weeks we're going to have a lunch. Right after church, you're invited to be here. And if you've invited somebody... Invite them to this lunch, and you come with them. You're invited to be a part of this with them. You can introduce them to us and be a part of that with them. Now, the whole reason we do this is Jesus. It's to tell somebody about him and what he has done for us. And we do this every week. We have an opportunity where we remember what Jesus did and the life that he gave for us, the sacrifice that he made for us. So I'm going to ask that you stand And sing this song um, about who Jesus is, how he came to this point, while we prepare our hearts to remember him. Would you please stand?